0: when I get a call from the FBI and mortgage investment group that i been involved with in Springfield, Missouri was deemed to be illegal and they're offering a plea agreement. And I am crushed.
1: Hello, friends. I'm glad you're tuned in today. As you've already heard, there's a riveting testimony from my good friend, Rick Under. I want you to stay tuned. He has a great ministry on how to overcome grief. And we know as we study grief that if you can learn to overcome grief, you can learn to overcome every obstacle. Listen in friends, and I hope you're blessed. Brother Rick Unruh, I'm excited to have you here on the program.
0: Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you. You're you're a good friend. I'm excited about this.
1: Man, I tell you, I was thinking about you and trying to get together on this and about how we've been talking about doing this for maybe a couple months. I thought the Lord's really blessed and allowed you to be busy these last few months that's a good thing yeah it is but i i was thinking about i guess whenever i got to know you was back whenever uh we were in uh class for we were both becoming counselors a lot before i guess the second worst downturn in your life happened and that was back when we was going to school with uh word of life there in wichita i'm thinking that was probably what two (laughs) thousand and seven
0: it would have been 7 the 8 there, uh, somewhere. Actually, we moved back on 7. So it would have been probably 08. Uh,
1: you are now the founder of Dream Again Ministries, which is what I want to spend a lot of time talking about today. Rick has a website. It's at rickunru.net. This Dream Again Ministries is something God birthed, but also you are a missionary, regional missionary for U.S. Maps with the Assemblies of God. You're over the RVers, and they do a lot of uh, church building, and, and they have short-term mission trips and things they go on. On, but I, but no more time than we had. I really wanted to, one of the topics I really want to get through because it's something I've been saving up. I've done about 30 podcasts, but I have not done one on grieving and how to deal with a lot of shame. And I know you went through that. So I thought, uh, I got your book on Amazon. It's called Self Surrender, The Key to Dreaming Again. And uh, I highly recommend it for what I've read. It's, been, it's just been really, really anointed. And uh, also I've watched your videos online at, at rickunru.net. I've been enjoyed those but i want to talk to you and ask you a couple things you know back when we first met uh it was your your life took a took a turn of course back with the loss of your son and i think you talk about that in chapter 10 of broken can you tell me a little bit about that
0: yeah that was uh 2001 and life's just on cruise control life You know, uh, going great, three healthy boys, you know, all doing well. And uh, wow, your world can turn upside down in every which way overnight because there's just no way to prepare or fathom to get that that call, uh, you know, from your dad that, um, you know, there's been an accident. And your 12-year-old son Landon, is dead. And there's just still, I mean, you can tell I get still so choked up about it because uh, that call just, you know, rings in my ears sometimes. Uh, and my dad having to make that call, uh, you know, what, what dad ever wants to, to do that. So uh, he was riding four-wheelers out at Grandpa's house, and uh, they'd come up. And him and my my oldest son, which again is a whole other aspect of this, of him being there with him when the accident happened, and and he had nothing to do with it. He was a, ahead of him, but he come off a dike and ran through a barbed wire fence, and there was a support pole there, and uh, basically snapped his neck. And so, my oldest son, fourteen at the time, had to go back, had to witness all that, go get grandpa and help. So. Uh, you know we're in a football game we think life's going great they're playing you know the winner of this is going on to the playoffs and out of nowhere you're blindsided with the you know attack no parent can can imagine
1: oh my goodness he was 12 years old yeah my goodness, and you you talk about that and it extensive in your book, I know, but um, going through that, you know one of the things I wanted to ask you i I didn't have a chance to even ask you beforehand, but that's okay that you know i've I've heard before you know they used to talk about grieving and a grieving process and how you go through these certain steps, and now a lot of the people that you know they're talking they're saying, you don't go through all these steps, and sometimes they go differently um, how I know there's a lot of people that listen uh, we have some ladies in a prayer group that listens in and a lot of them have lost their ch- some of their children and then some of their spouses even recently I know some dear friends of ours. What what was the process for you of course as you heard it and that brought tears to my eyes just hearing the news but then what happened? What would you go through?
0: You know and we didn't even talk about this beforehand and I, I, I God's well, added a whole new layer to the Dream Again ministry and I'm sorry we didn't even talk about this but uh, it's really uh, helping the church understand and minister to the grieving hearts. We've started doing trainings and workshops and going into churches and saying, because it's so misunderstood in the church world, you know, it, it's like, you know, okay, you've had your time or okay, God heals you. Well, you're gonna grieve forever. Uh, Dr. Larry Crabb, you know, says it best, says it, yeah, but it's not about being controlled by it uh, at that. so, we're launching into equipping the church to do a better job of ministering because, you know, I think it's misunderstood. Uh, and in this process, I've really gone back and, you know, so I'm really doing a lot of studying, more research. I've got my own experience, but, uh, I just look at the five stages and to me, they just don't make a lot of sense. Denial, you know, I absolutely, that's, uh, first, uh, stage three, uh, anger. Yeah. You kind of, you can go through that bargaining doesn't make a lot of sense you finally get to you know but i told people i can fill all five of those in one day it's like you know your world's upside down it's it's chaos and so your emotions can be all over the place and uh and and so to me i know the heart of it was right but uh, yeah you go different ways all over the place and Uh, you just got to kind of learn to go with it and let God walk you through the process because
1: that's a brutal one. Mm, Yeah, yeah, I heard a a counselor say we were at the ACC conference last year and they said it was just way too simplistic of as an approach to think you're just going through these steps. Kind of like they pigeonhole people to these are the steps you're going to go through so be ready, but you didn't find that to be the way it was with you. (laughs)
0: No, and it, yeah, because it looks like this linear line that you're, you're just, in fact, I've got a guy working on a, a little graphic cartoony thing. He does that for a living. And basically, it's going to be a line, you know, what we think, you know, the counselors and different people haven't agreed, kind of think it's like. And then over here, just this big scribble circle, you know, you know, all over the place. This is what grieving's really like. Yeah. Because uh, you're just, you don't know where you're going from day to day and triggers and emotions and, Uh, It's a crazy ride.
1: So you were having to not only deal with the loss of your son, then you have another son that was there that witnessed the accident or was there with him. Yeah. And so So you can
0: imagine the nightmares he had to deal with. And there's absolutely nothing he could do but the guilt he would feel, uh, you know, being the older brother. But, uh, he had to, you know, go find them and, and to go get help. You know, I'm proud to say he's turned out to be an amazing young man with three beautiful kids. But
1: uh, praise the Lord, uh, it
0: was rough on him. It was rough.
1: No, no words that could describe it. And you, and then of course your wife and and what she, what she went through and and just you know the family. What was the uh, what was the, the turning point in you? I mean, I, I I mean, I know that was a turning point in your whole life. I always tell people at any funeral, uh, I did two last week, and I. Said, said you're not you're not going to get over it but you're going to get through it but was yeah. was there i don't want to make an assumption was there a turning point in your life something that god did something that happened that you saw differently
0: well for me you know we moved we thought maybe would be good and we moved to springfield missouri and then back to wichita and you know i had a lot of questions you know uh with god i'd I've been in the ministry. We've been out of it for a while, just working a separate job. But, uh, you know, but how can you allow this stuff to happen? Here's an innocent 12 year old boy that's loved, that's in a great family. You know, you got all these other crazy things happening in the world, and yet, why is he taken from us? And so, uh, you know, even best of Christians, you know, have those moments of that heart to heart with God. And, and for me, you know, I just finally got to the end of it and, you and, know, and just said, all right, God, I know you have a call in my life. That call of God was just flaring up inside of me again. And, and uh, so we moved back as involved in the church. And uh, for 18 months, I would be, God, what is your call? What is your plan for my life? And it was complete silence on my personal devotional life. You know, I, it was, I was constantly hearing from him. It wow. <laughs> was complete silence on that. And that was frustrating. You know, God, you put the call here, uh, either, you know, take it away or show me what it is. Cause it it's driving me crazy.
1: Which was the call yeah. to ministry, you're saying? Yes, the yeah.
0: call, because I'd had that as a young kid, gone to Bible college, uh, you know, kind of uh, drifted out of that. And uh, now that fire's flaming back inside uh, as I've worked through some of my grieving and and uh, back in church and really trying to give that to God. And I'm driving down the road, head to Hutchison, Kansas on a sales calls. We're still working a secular job and uh, probably as close to an audible voice as I've ever heard. I, I hear him say, you know, I'm having that conversation. I hear him say, you haven't given me
1: everything. Wow.
0: And I'm like, what are you talking about? I you paying attention, God, because we we've just gone through the, uh, I was in the mortgage business, the mortgage crash just happened, you know, we're basically losing, you know, everything, and everything's in turmoil, which, again, is part of that, God, getting your attention, uh, like, what are you talking about, and, and you haven't given me your son, mm. and I pull over, as in Colwich, Kansas, I pull over into a parking lot there, and, uh, you know, I'm God, I'm not, I'm not ready to go there, I've got a lot of questions about that. I kind of locked that in a in a box and thrown away the key, yeah. Um, because I don't I don't get that, and I'm sitting there. I don't know how long. But finally, I come to the point, and this is the name of the book and the pivotal point. There's a couple of self surrender point points, that this is the one. Uh, self surrender: the key to dreaming again, and I, I just remember visually in my head. Picking up my lifeless son and uh, walking into the foot of the cross and saying, here he is, God. Here's my greatest hurt, my greatest pain, my greatest question about who you even are. But if you can take my son and use him for your glory, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Unbelievable. And instantly, after 18 months of complete silence, the dream again made, all the, the counseling, all this stuff began to just unfold right there alongside the road. Uh, because when you lose a child, you never think you'll understand passion again. You're just kind of numb going through life. But God allows us to dream again and be passionate about the, the calling that he has on our life and our purpose. And and so that then became my passion to help other people dream again, whether it's addictions or broken marriages or whatever, that God still has a plan that God can still restore and renew. And so that became the heartbeat
1: of, of my calling, Amen. So you're so you pulled over to the side of the road. Right. You visually saw it in your mind's eye, and you yeah. took your son. That that's that's heartbreaking, heartbreaking, but freeing. Heartbreaking exactly. but freeing. So then, so then you kind of so then you you were serving God. I mean, you 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 had this place right. in your life that you hadn't surrendered, that you were serving God. You were in church. You were doing things. Were you preaching at that time?
0: No, have not gotten back in again. Like, what do you want me to do, God? And I I just yeah. felt so broken. Yeah. that how could he use me? You know, I'm still dealing with the junk of grieving, uh, you know, trying to raise your family and, and you know, go, go through all of that. So, no, I had not been preaching, but again, what's my call?
1: Yeah, so I remember, and as we move fast forward a little bit to the time from that roadside encounter, which is chapter 15 you talk about. And then to move forward, I remember talking to you, and I remember you and Frank, and I, well, you and Frank mainly were the guys. I remember going through uh, yeah, the prayer ministry together and things and, and some classes. But, and then I, and then to, to kind of, wasn't it about that time you were getting back involved with believers? God had formed a ministry inside you for counseling. A lot of that was going to be group counseling but of, of addictions Correct. and everything and you were actually working in the church until up until the next uh one of the next fatal blows or that the enemy wanted to be a fatal blow in oh, your man. life wasn't it
0: so i'm going to counseling classes so that we can open up a counseling center in the church it's going to be called the dream again counseling center um you know super excited about that we opened it in may of uh uh 2009. After going back to schooling and everything, and I mean it was an unbelievable day. I'm setting the office up. I don't have any clients yet, but just looking back and saying, "Wow, God, you still do." You know, all this junk and everything that's happened here. I set today. I'm going to be able to minister to other people. You know, at their lowest levels in life, and say, "Look, I've been in your seat. I get it." Uh, but God, and it was an amazing day. Did anyone go home that night? Just the the. the the spirit of God was so thick there. Amen. Uh, And uh, one month later, uh, our world's rocked again. When I get a call from the FBI and the mortgage investment group that I've been involved with in Springfield, Missouri, was deemed to be illegal, and they're offering a plea agreement. And I am crushed i just like god i was on top of the mountain i just felt like the you know the rug's been yanked out from under me sometimes you know again these are these honest conversations i'm having with god i'm not always proud of them but it, it, you know everything good happens something bad happens Do you enjoy watching me fall because that's the way i'm starting to feel because i just you knew this was going to happen why would i have this incredible encounter with you and open the counseling center now i'm full of embarrassment and shame i'm going to be a felon who could who's gonna want me how could god use me i'm done and that's again a now a second major low point
1: so so you had worked for this mortgage company and you were you were doing uh some it's a it's a long story it's in the book you guys need to get the book and read it but you were with this firm and basically so we're
0: in 2009 this stuff happened back in 2006
1: yeah. So years. Uh, so several years later, after yeah. after you got your master's degree in counseling, after you did that, and then now this, this stuff creeps back up that you did that you're a part of. Exactly. And had no idea until then. You you had no idea that this was a problem.
0: I, I knew in 06, they had interviewed some people, and you know there was there was some fear in 06 coming into 07, but never heard another. So it'd been two, two and a half years of hearing nothing. So I tell people, I, I there was a hint of it in the past, but I was blindsided because I basically thought it was over. I thought, You know, stuff would have happened. I was never brought in to be interviewed, you know, up up until right there at the end. So, yeah, I thought, hey, everything's good.
1: Another part of the book that I read. So now you're sitting in the FBI play, you know, headquarters. You're sitting there and they're questioning you and they're talking about. And so you reach for a glass of water and you're shaking so bad and your nerves are on end and you have to set the glass back down. Tell me about what was going on there.
0: Man, they are just, uh, you know, they're, they're good at their job. They, they uh, are just hammering at me. I went with no lawyer. You know, I wouldn't necessarily advise that. But I just said, God, this is in your hands. <laughs> you open up the dream again counseling center you brought me this far i'm guilty i'm guilty you know i'm not i'm not and i went without a lawyer and uh, wow they had me so rattled you're right i went to pick up that gl- i didn't realize i was shaking but i set it right back down because uh yeah I was, I was shaking so bad from just the constant barrage of questions and, and really hammering on me and i'm like i'm here you know no lawyer I, i'm trying to cooperate and you know you guys are hammering on me
1: wow and so but some part of this in your book i read they did did kind of float a lifeline which wasn't much or a lifeboat, and said well we're trying to keep your wife out of this so you're actually thinking oh no now my wife and me's both going to go to prison
0: well then that that's a that was a beautifully played card in their you know again, negotiation uh that they do and, and again well trained i've I'm not bagging on that, but yeah, they pull that. You got one chance and one chance only to tell us everything straight up. If not, we're dragging your wife into this. So that, yeah, that's that uh, uh, you know, extra emotion.
1: Wow. Wow. So then basically to uh, fast forward here, now you're, 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 I want to get to the part to where we talk about, uh, where you talk about in your book to where you're trying to come up with a way to process this. You got, uh, how many months was it? 13 months there in 15 months in Yankton? 15
0: months. I served 11 and a half in Yankton.
1: So you're in South Dakota. You're in the federal penitentiary. You're, you you know, I can't imagine the adjustments your wife had to make financially and what she went through. You're sitting there, and so so. Then I thought it was interesting in your book. You know, you're like so. I started counting hamburger days. You know what? Tell me a little bit about being there. You know, not necessarily about that, but about being there and the process of you know what you're going through and the shame that you were going through and what you know what God had to do with you while you were there.
0: You know, we, we've been through so much. I'm walking in. I feel I've never been in trouble in my life. Now I'm be labeled as a felon. I'm you know this embarrassment. God could never use me now. All these hopes and dreams I had of getting back into the ministry, I'm done. So I, I'm i walking in just, I'm, I'm going to lay low, do my time, and I'm just going to finish life, you know, because there's nothing left for me that, that God could purpose out of, out of this mess. No and
1: more ministry, no more preaching, no more counseling. It's over. I was done. Yep, you were done. Yeah, I was
0: done. <laughs> I'm like, I, I just, there's, you know, there's just no way. And so, uh, you know, I always tell people though part of my message is that the enemy loves to take our lowest point and our greatest failures and try to label us by those. <laughs> label you by felon, label you by divorcee, by addict, and those greatest failures. And he tries, you know, to continually remind us of that. And so I just had to, you know, come to that point where my identity is in Christ, not uh, the mistakes I've made in life. It's, it's, you know, so that was a, um, big part of it. The other, uh, Key part. People often ask, "What was you know?" There's there's one defining moment, uh, you know, where your whole attitude changed, and and this is a big part. This is where I come from, from the grief ministry standpoint, out of Second Corinthians one, and then going into seven five, where Titus comes to bring comfort to Paul. Is that many times, you know, we think God's going to send the angels down to cover us with His wings. Uh, But many times God uses you and I to be dispensers of his comfort and to walk alongside people and to, you know, bring God's comfort. And so the first 30 days that I was in there, my sister had organized a Facebook group and all of this. And the first 30 days I'm I'm walking in, I'm desolate, I'm done. God can never use me. I received five to 14 letters every day that I was in through the first 30 days. Wow. Rick, we believe in you. We're going to walk with you. God has a call on your life. Don't you give up. And so there was not a defining moment, but it was 30 days of people walking alongside of me that I started to think, wow, maybe God could still use me. And so, and that's a principle that I believe ministry is about, principle I believe the grief ministry is about as we walk with people, uh, the comfort of God and the hope of God begins to ignite on the inside of us.
1: Amen. So, they were writing letters to you. You're in prison and you had some people there, but those letters that came to you while you were there were a great encouragement from people in the church, people in your family, people from your past.
0: Absolutely. Just a random, you know, we got church and family and, and they just all kept, you God's got a plan. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. And, you know, first you know week or so, you know, I don't know that it really to me, but you keep hearing that again and again and again. And all of a sudden hope begins to arise on the inside and the, yeah, okay, God, maybe, just maybe you can still
1: use me. Amen. That's right. Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it. I was thinking about this today or, or last night I was listening to uh, some Bible and I was thinking, it's so good to hear the, you know, I love to hear when someone's saved, delivered, they go on with their life, God prospers them, you know, they're blessed financially. But then I begin to think about Isaiah, you know, it talks about all the great patriarchs of our faith in Hebrews 11. But then I think about Isaiah, the Bible said he was sold asunder. I I mean, I imagine during the time in your life, you didn't feel like it was great faith. Uh, I can imagine what you went through, especially the time with your son, you'd say, Lord, give me a saw. I'll take that. I don't want this, you know, do anything but that. But the great stories of faith are like the Isaiah's, you know, they're like even the Samson's that finally found the end, you know, his eyes were were gorged out and poked out, but he found his faith. And, and, you know, I think about that, that we think great faith is something so big we're going to do and God's going to make us so happy. But the greatest, faith are those that go through trials and go through things and their faith the Bible says will be tried. And brother, I appreciate you, man. And I'm telling you, I felt like with you and I and Frank, we had a special bond back then. And I we knew are. that you had a genuine faith, a deep faith. And, and I believe what what the devil's meant for bad, God's definitely turned around for good. And now you're traveling all over and, and it's so busy. We had a hard time getting together. Now we're doing this over the phone. So I'm glad for that. I'm glad for that. But you know, and, and you said to me, and I know we're running close on time, but I remember you said to me, uh, just as we went and ate at Buffalo wild wings here several months ago, you said if you would have never went through that, then you couldn't have let go of that part of your life and adjust your lifestyle to where you could do this part. Is that right? Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, now, uh, you know, I can talk to people at a different level because I've been, uh, from being raised in a good home and just, you know, uh, not understanding the depths of darkness in in, in some aspect, you know, I went down to the bottom. I was ready to quit on life. I was ready to check out some days. The pain of my son was too great. The pain of failure was such an embarrassment. Uh, But now I can sit here and say, listen, I know what you're feeling. But look what God did in me It's the same thing that's available to you you. He to do the same thing for you if you'll trust him. So it uh, becomes our testimony. It becomes a you know a way to lead people out of the darkness that they're feeling.
1: Mm, praise the Lord. I call it, you know, we use that word back when we were in class together and, and they use the word attunement. You know, I see people yeah. that suffered great loss and I've never experienced anything like that, but I notice people that have experienced grief are attuned to other people's pain and that's the way Jesus was. He was attuned. Well, brother, I appreciate you and don't don't forget, listeners, to go rickunruh.net, R-I-C-K-U-N-R-U-H.net, and uh, check him out. Go on Amazon. You can get his book. You can also order. Would you rather order through the website, Rick?
0: Uh, it helps a little bit. It helps slightly, but uh, either place is great. No problem.
1: Okay. Well, buddy, before you go, would you please just ask a blessing and a prayer over some of the people that are listening today? Amen.
0: Father, we thank you that our hurts and our pains become a testament to how great and awesome you are. And the unimaginable things that i 've been through and the unimaginable things that people are listening they 've been through, and the hopeless and the dark nights, Lord, we can come to a great comforter. My prayer is God that we that we allow you to allow us to dream again realize that our life isn't just a waste but like Pastor Jason said we've become attuned there's a different level that we can uh, speak into people's lives and see what's going on inside of them so my prayer is today whoever's listening that we all dream again we dream big dreams for the kingdom big dreams for our lives and for our families and, and for what God wants to do in our lives so we thank you for that in Jesus name Amen.
1: God bless you brother so great to talk to you